Assalamu alaikum. Uh, first of all, first of all, I'd like to uh, welcome all of you uh, to the fourth annual St. Louis University Muslim Student Association Winter Conference. Um, uh, on behalf of the MSA, uh, we're truly honored to have you here as guests of the university as well as our uh, as our MSA. Uh, so, without further ado, we'd like to get started with the first lecture of the day. Um, our first speaker uh, is uh, Mufti Abu Laith Al Maliki. Uh, he studied Arabic and Islamic studies in the UK as a teenager. He then went to Damascus, Syria, where he adopted the Maliki Madhab. He graduated top of his class, studying Tafsir, Fiqh, and Aqidah. Uh, he completed his Alam and Mufti course in Karachi, Pakistan. Uh, also uh, worth noting, this is his first time uh, in the United States. So uh, please welcome uh, Mufti Abulayt and Maliki. إن الحمد لله وكفى والصلاة والسلام على رسوله المصطفى وعلى عباده الذين ارتضى ومن بهداهم اهتدى وبآثار أهل المدينة اكتفى وبعد فسلام الله عليكم جميعا It's a pleasure to be here The topic seeking knowledge or the importance of seeking knowledge is a pressing issue and always has been throughout this Ummah's history. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala teaches us in the Qur'an that do you say they are equal those who have knowledge and those who do not? Would you say that a blind person and one without and one with sight are totally equal in terms of what they can do and achievements? I don't mean as human beings, but as what they can achieve. Knowledge is like sight. The Prophet has mentioned in the hadith that that seek knowledge and then learn it. So don't just... This is a university, so presumably many of you here are students. So now, one is you've turned up, so you've sought the knowledge, but then you actively learn it. And this is something which I'll be coming back to uh, to mention and highlight. It is not enough to try and passively learn knowledge. You will never truly grasp knowledge if it's a passive process. It must be active. The Prophet said, فَتَعَلَّمُوا then seek, seek it, then learn it. فَإِنَّ الْعِلْمَ إِنْ لَمْ يَنْفَعَكَ لَمْ يَضُرَّكَ That knowledge, indeed, if it did not, Benefit you, it will not harm you. That if it did not raise you and elevate you, it will not debase you. And if it did not 
that if it did not gain you in honor, if it did not make you gain respect, it will not make you lose respect either. وَإِن لَمْ يُغْنِكَ لَمْ يُفْقِرْكَ If knowledge did not enrich in you, it will not impoverish you either. And then we learn from this hadith that وَلَا تَقُولُ نَخْشَ أَنْ نَعْلَمْ فَلَا نَعْمَلْ And this is something which we hear from many people. Do not say that I fear that if I know I will not act upon it. Because many people sometimes say, what's the point of knowing certain things if you're not going to act by them? The Prophet said, rather بَلْقُولُ نَرْجُ أَنْ نَعْلَمْ فَنَعْمَلْ Rather say that we hope by knowing we may act upon it. This is an extremely sacred, if you like, sacred path, path of knowledge, of seeking knowledge. One which cannot be, I mean, we cannot really give it what is worth in just mere words. What we do have to understand is that the attitude Islam generally presents is understood through this hadith. The Prophet said, Al-ayyamu thalatha, that days are really just three. That days are just three. Yawmun mada lan tudrika minhu shay'an. A day which has gone, you will never be able to be, be able to capture that day again. It has gone. The past. Wa yawmu ghadin la tadri atudrikuhu amla. And tomorrow, which perhaps you are not certain, which you are not certain that you may reach it. And the day which you are in now, then seize it. That is the attitude that we as people should have when it comes to seeking knowledge. Imam al-Shafi'i, I mean, I'm assuming most of you have probably heard of Imam al-Shafi'i. Have you heard of Imam al-Shafi'i? Anybody not? I won't say that. That would just embarrass you if you've heard of Imam al-Shafi'i. He was a student of Imam Malik, the absolute legend, which we'll maybe speak about in another talk. But Imam al-Shafi'i said in a poem, he said, إِنِّي رَعَيْتُ وَقُوفَ الْمَاءِ يُفْسِدُهُ he said, I have seen that water as it stagnates becomes foul. You can't use it after a while. It becomes, you know, it's just, the water just becomes ruined if it's a stagnant. He said, In Salataba, as long as it continues to flow, it remains pure. And if it doesn't, that's the state of affairs. He said that inni ra'i, he said that I see wal usto. He says, Lola firaqal ustal ghaba maftarasat. If the lions were not to leave the where they just you know where, where they are in just resting, if they were not to get up and actively go out and hunt, they would just starve. He says, Walola firaqus sahmil qawsalam yusibi. If the arrow was not to leave the bow, it would never strike its target. He said, What tirbu amakini? 
He said gold in its natural, as a natural resource, is just a piece of the earth scattered. <laughs> nice ringtone. <laughs> yeah. uh, he said, He said, And the oud, the incense which people burn, is just a twig on a tree. That's all it is. فَإِن تَغَرَّبَ هَذَا عَزَّمَطْلَبُهُمْ If you take that twig away, some way, it becomes of immense value. وَإِن تَغَرَّبَ ذَاكَ عَزَّكَ الذَّهَبِ And if you take away, if you remove the gold from the earth, it becomes gold. You see, things in their natural settings sometimes, where they are in their comfort zones, they don't have value. It's only once they are removed from that comfort zone that they discover what they were meant to be. What was actually set out for them in reality. You see, we have to understand, and I don't mean to sound morbid, but we recognize that we are, everybody is here, we're on this earth, and within a certain amount of years, Everybody will, that's here will no longer be. I mean, the Quran reminds us very, I mean, very clearly that, look, you have a certain amount of time on this earth, just as many before you. You will most certainly die. I mean, that may sound morbid, but it's the truth. The thing is, what will you leave behind? The legacy. <laughs> That's the right timing for that tune. <laughs> it's getting a bit. <laughs> Play that again as it gets a bit more <laughs> intense. So, you see, we're here. What will you leave behind as a legacy? People have conveyed these traditions to us. What are we doing to convey these to others, this knowledge? Will it be said by people that come after us that? That we had, the baton was placed in our hands. If only we had run with it. I mean, is this what will be said? Allah mentions in the Quran, That which will be of benefit to people, It will remain in the earth. There's, there's a legendary uh, poet by the name of Mir Taqimir. I don't know if you've heard of him. I'm just looking out for some of the indoor park. <laughs> he's, he, says, he says in one of his things that, that what will we say if people ask us that yes you came to this world but what did you do? Do you see what I mean? I mean this is it's not enough to just have like been here and just, just done the... It's about time people, they step up their practice. And I say that I know this is, this is good, that, you know, you've got conferences and it's very good to see people and that people are actively going out and learning. And, but really, things need to step up even more. Passive learning needs to become active learning. You should... Now be doing things like learning constructively. Things that will take you to another level. 
like learning, like listening to a lecture is good. It's, you know, it's, you, know you listen to it, you feel good, it's elating, you think, yeah, that's... But you go away and that's it, it dissipates. You learn something constructively and you can build upon it. Learning things like the Arabic language, learning things like fiqh, sharia, what is it built upon, attending courses, that will be interesting. Setting up courses, doing things like, even if they're intense, doing, learning about hadith, learning about understanding these sciences. Incre- something that's incremental, you can build upon it. Not just a random, you know, I heard something really good about patience, heard something really good about taqwa, oh, that's really good, mashallah. That's, that's good, but it's not good enough, if you understand what I'm trying to say. And I think we have got this 100%. We've got this in. The Prophet ﷺ said in the hadith, nas ma'adin. People are like, they are like natural resources, if you like. Like resources of gold and silver. That's what they like. But he said, Those of them that were good even when Islam wasn't there, you find that these are perhaps the best of people when Islam is there. However, he added the clause, in faqih, if they seek an understanding of the deen. We have had histories of people. I mean, just look into our biographies, biographies that people have. When I say, what is, I mean, what is history? Before we just say that, I mean, History is nothing but the biography of great people. It is, what is history but the achievement of great people? That's all it is. They were people just like you and me. Nothing so extraordinary. I mean, there wasn't, they weren't in that sense extraordinary. They were still human beings. Except they achieved something. Sometimes if you look around, everything you see, if we look in this room, everything you see outside, wherever you are, was at some point an idea in the mind of an individual. That's all it was, starting from this table to the mic, to whatever you look at, it was just an idea. And somebody put it to practice and it materialized. People have such potential. Let me tell you this little story story of uh, an eagle and a chicken right see there was there was this eagle this eagle egg that was picked up uh, by this farmer and he left it with these chickens and they hatched it and this eagle emerges and it lives with this chicken with these group of chickens in this chicken yard and it grows up and it thinks it's a chicken. It acts like a chicken. It does whatever makes the chicken sounds. It just jumps around like a chicken. It doesn't. It, it thinks it digs like a chicken. It's trying to eat these little worms and do all these type of things. It thinks it is a chicken. So one day it notices the shadow. So it looks up. What on earth is that? Whoa, that's an eagle. So it asks the other chickens, what on earth is that? They say, that, that's, an e- that's the king of the skies. So, Seriously? He said, yeah, so that belongs up there. We belong down here. 
is that is that how it is? Yeah, yeah, this is how it is. We are like we belong on the earth. We're just like these. When that that soars the skies, that does. That's the king of the skies. So anyway, this one day, this eagle flying above, thinks, "What on earth is eagle doing, hanging about with some chickens?" So curious, it shoots down. It lands by this eagle. The chickens see it coming. They they just shoot straight into the chicken house. Shoot into that. And so this eagle gets trapped by this big eagle that's landed. So the eagle says to this chicken eagle, that, What are you doing here? Who are you? What are you, what are you doing? He says, Oh, I'm doing, I'm doing nothing. I'm just, just chilling out. Just doing whatever chickens do. It's a chicken. You're not a chicken. You're an eagle. He says, I'm not an eagle. I'm a chicken. He says, oh, no, you're not a chicken. You're an eagle. You're one of us. You belong up there in the skies. That's your dominion. You belong. You need to be soaring the heavens. He says, oh, whatever. He thinks this eagle's lost it. <laughs> thinks, all right. Damn, it's about to eat me. So he... He says to the so he says to this eagle, he says, Okay, he says, you know what? He says, he says, nah, all right then. He says, if I'm an eagle, then you're not gonna harm me, because I'm one of you. He says, Yeah, why would I harm you? He says, Alright, so then in that case you just move out my way. He says, Yeah, alright, I'll move out your way. He says, Alright then. So he's walking about and just shoots straight into the chicken house. So he goes, Ah, oh, I locked the door. He tells the chicken, Ah, oh, I outsmarted that eagle. You know, they made a fool out of that eagle. They all say, yeah, 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 you know, that, that was that was great the way you did that. So this eagle lived and died as a chicken. You see, we have potential. Like that, such potential which belongs in the skies. That which holds us back is not quite often our capability or our potential. It is us we hold ourselves back. We refuse to maximize or achieve our optimum potential. We think that, no, I can't do that. This isn't for me. When we look at our history of people, of scholarship, I'll, I'll give you an example. There's a scholar by the name of Abu al-Wafa ibn Aqil, somebody from about 900 years ago. He wrote a book, just one of his books he wrote at that, in that day and age. It was 800 volumes. You think 800 volumes, is that a joke? 800 volumes, what? He wrote a book called Al-Funun. And you, you can Google about this. It's not in print, obviously, but it was to do with knowledge. And different miscellaneous type of things in there. And it's called Al-Funun, the arts. And in there, that was 800, perhaps this day and age, that would be over 100 volumes. That's what it would be. Perhaps about 100 volumes. Now, he wrote that and he begins it by saying that خَيْرُ مَا This is how he begins his book. He says the best of that by which time can be spent. <laughs> it's got a variety of ringtones. Yeah. <laughs> um, it says the best 
method or the best way in which time can be spent. And the best way to gain proximity or closeness to God says seeking knowledge. That's what it is. And sometimes people can be going on, can be saying things. Obviously, I mean, am I just, you know, I mean, this kind of goes for all of you as well. You could be saying, you know, telling people, you could be thinking, am I just speaking to myself here? Is this, can anybody actually, <laughs> is it the accent you're thinking? But, um, you see, and, and quite often you do, people have felt like that historically as well. This is why it is so important for us to return to this heritage. I spoke of, I mentioned earlier on, Mir Taqimir. I mean, he said once, speaking about this type of, he said, Rahina gufta mere dil me Na me samja koi He said that this story, this, this heritage, if you like, this whole thing remains untold in my heart. That nobody in this land could understand my language. But he, and, and he says, Usi se dur rehe asle jota. He says, that which was the real thing we stayed so distant from. Gaye umre aziz a raigam. He says, how this valuable life of mine went to and this is why it's so important that it does not go to waste. That a person, he does something to leave, to contribute to that legacy which has reached him. And it has, it's reached us all. It's reached us all. And it's about just adding to that. And I think what I would like to say is that, inshallah, if the bulk of your students, or at least related to students, and it does, first of all, this does not, this is a social narrative, a psychosocial narrative of this day and age. And I'm a bit into psychology myself. And, um, the thing is that we have, in this day and age, we've split up, we've got these narratives which we've bought into, and every day and age has their narratives. And people don't question. So we have this narrative that, okay, learning is for a particular period of your life. So... Let's say in the UK, probably 5 to 25. Yeah, so pretty same here, I'm imagining. So you're going to go to school, primary school, secondary, college, university, do whatever you have to do, and that's it. Now, you've been through. So if you missed that, so let's say you're 35, deciding to learn. People say, ah, oh, you've missed it. This isn't the time to be learning, really. Because whether we say that, or not, but we have this as a narrative. This is a, a psychosocial narrative which we've embraced. That the time to learn is that time. Now in is Islam, we're taught something very different. That seek knowledge from the cradle to the grave, meaning it's a lifelong process. If somebody was 55 and they thought, I want to learn, there is no criticism to that. As it is quite, as it is well said by some people that schooling 
was but just a brief interruption to my education. And that's how it should be. That It should not be that that is your education. That can contribute to your education. But it should not be the bulk of your education, full stop. So, and what I would like to say is that all of us here, I, I really say all of us, we should all be actively doing things like, first of all, learning the Arabic language. Everybody. I think, I mean, especially, I mean, unless, I mean, if, if, if somebody's, uh, let's say that's especially for Muslims. For non-Muslims, it's, it's an amazing language as well. But I'm saying especially for Muslims, it's vital. I, it's crucial. Learning languages is so beneficial as it is. That's another thing I'm really into. But I mean, I think, People should be doing, wanting to do that anyway. The way it expands your intellect. I mean, one of the arguments for those who believe that IQ can be expanded is that they is to learn a language. So, regardless of okay, putting that aside, it for Islam it serves an incredible function because everything the Quran, everything is in Arabic. Allah mentions in the Quran, "Inna anzalnahu Quranan Arabian." That we have sent this down as an Arabic Quran. لَعَلَّكُمْ تَعْقِلُونَ In the hope that you become people of intellect. Why would that be said? This of the, In another verse Allah says that وَلَوْ أَنزَلْنَاهُ عَلَىٰ بَعْضِ الْأَعْجَمِينَ Had have we revealed it upon some of the non-Arabs فَقَرَأَهُ عَلَيْهِمْ And then he read it unto them. They would not have brought faith. This language, it does have something amazing about it. And it's not difficult. Nowadays, there are so many mediums, so many things. I don't mean mediums, ghosts and stuff. I don't know what the culture here is like. So, uh, there are so many avenues, so many mediums that can be adopted to learn the Arabic language. You can go online. You can learn online if you haven't got. And then things like, okay, what are the Islamic sciences? What is the science of the Quran? Its principles of how to understand it, the, what is known as usul al-tafsir, the commentary, the exegesis, the commentary of the Quran, learning the tafsir, what is hadith, what is the, the applied theory when it comes to hadith? Things like what we call in Arabic usul al-hadith. What are these? How do we verify certain hadith? How do we verify certain hadith? How do we know whether something is um, sahih or da'if or mutawatir or muttarab? Or, you've probably heard of some of these words. Not understood what they, probably, what they actually meant. But why not? You see, and what is fiqh? What is the sharia? How do we do? Like, if we are going to live whether we like it or don't like it, the deen will impact portions of our life throughout our life. It will regulate certain portions of our life, whether we choose to pray or don't pray or whatever. But still, there will be portions of our life that will be governed by these things. Why are we not even attempting to understand what these portions are? And maybe with many people, it's that they think, I can't. They feel I can't do this. How can I, how can I, that, whoa, it's all the way out. How can I go and how can I start to actually fathom 
the Sharia. And I tell you that it's, it all begins with that first step. The journey of a thousand miles begins with the very first step. It's, not, it's nowhere near impossible. It is very possible. It begins with a little, little thing. So you're going to say, okay, Arabic, you've got that. You're trying to do that. You set yourself a target. You think, okay, within a year, I'm going to learn this. I'm going to start learning about what is fiqh. I'm going to learn a bit about that. What is hadith? Learn a bit about that. Within a few years, you would have a very good understanding. A very good understanding of the, at least what is rel almost tantamount to what is perhaps your local imam level. So I'm not saying, you know, you can necessarily become a Shaykh al-Hadith or something, but you will become, you will have a very good understanding within a short amount of time. And it's something that, you see, you only have to dedicate, you see, to learn a language, the best way is just dedicate something like 20 to 30 minutes a day. That's all. Not more, not less. Everybody here, see, speaking of languages, everybody here has at some point in their life learned a language. We all have done it. In fact, we did it as kids when we weren't even so, you know, apparently intelligent. Now think about it, we're, our minds are a lot more sophisticated, we're a lot more intelligent, a lot more capable, more organized than as, you know, a year old baby. Now, why is it we struggle now? And if you think about that, think why is it that I can't learn a language now if I try and I, and I, I managed to do it as a child? Not somebody else managed. You managed. Each and every one of you did this. I did this. We did this. Why? So why? See, even the baby says, I concur. <laughs> <laughs> Baby's still <laughs> trying to learn it. <laughs> but, but I mean, why? why is it that we struggle now? And one of the answers is curiosity. We've lost curiosity. We're not, see, now it's, ah, what are they saying? All oh, right, forget it. I've got other things to do. See, as a baby, you weren't going to do anything else. You weren't like, okay, I'm, I'm going somewhere else. I'm going to the gym. <laughs> I'm going to shoot off. Right, you weren't going to do that as a, as a baby. So, you, so you're thinking, well, what are they saying? What, what are they saying? What are they saying? What are they saying? Until, until you figure it out. And you did. And we did. But now it's like, oh, it's all right. I've got other things to do. Thank you <laughs> for concurring again. The thing is that if we bring it back, if we try and revive this curiosity within us, that's what will take us there. And a lot more of this, as I mentioned, this cure a lot more of this sorry, constructive learning and i'm imagining many of you would understand this from your secular studies that just going to a random lecture going to a random talk does not develop your understanding of that science so if you're studying law or if you're studying medicine or if you're studying something just going to a random lecture about how health is good for you or i went to this lecture about you know you should hygiene it's not going to do anything you need systematic constructive methods in place to really develop something and that's what you need to do and i, I do encourage i mean I, i'm not sure generally how 
uh, things are here in the States. But in the UK, it's, there, people are more gradually moving towards that now, that they're moving away from this culture of, there was this culture of just, just talks and things like this, especially maybe in the late 90s and early 2000, there was a lot of this. And I think people are gradually moving away from a lot of this now to things like actual learning. So they do courses, like even if it's a day's course, they do a course on, okay, what is Hadith? And they will learn things like, okay, what are the terminologies with Hadith? What is the background of Hadith? What is the, so they walk away and, and there's things like, you know, they'll probably get a little difficult. Some, but the thing is that they'll walk away with this understanding of, yeah, like, wow, okay, I never knew this. I never knew that these were the categorizations or the classifications of Hadith. I didn't know that was the history of Hadith. I didn't know these were the, the master scholars or the master practitioners and legends and dons, so to speak, of the Hadith. Uh, I said dons and that resonates with you. I don't mean dons as in they were sitting out there with their guns and, or with a cigar in their mouth relaxing, but I mean, they, they were the dons of that science of Hadith and who were these people not? Okay, that was also Imam Bukhari's book. This is what it was actually called. And this is, you know, so walking away with actual knowledge. I think what is important is that there is a gradual move towards things like that. That's what I would advise. I mean, this is all good as well, but that is, is something you can build upon then. So you can go away and you can then start thinking, okay, let me, that was interesting, what was said there. Let me read up a bit more about it. And oh, who was that? So you think, okay, that was interesting. Today I mentioned Ibn Aqil, and you think, okay, who was this scholar Ibn Aqil? And another thing that is definitely worth mentioning is that you see, with knowledge comes appreciation of differences. And that is something that I don't know how problematic issues of intolerance are in, in, in the States here, yeah, but. I think in the UK, this is, it was more of an issue. Now I think there's some enlightenment coming about. But there's issues where people become insecure when they see something different. And I mean, this is from all levels. So on a macro level, this is between Muslims, non-Muslims, everybody. On a micro level, this is looking at Muslims internally. So we think everybody should be the same. And I will... There will be another talk, I think it's actually tomorrow that I'll be kind of speaking about that, about more about its unity over uniformity. We're not seeking uniformity. Islam never set out to seek this type of symmetrical, uh, you know, representation from people. What it wanted was unity of purpose, direction, your trajectory, the goal is one. Not that you are all identical and you're all... You do exactly the same thing. Diversity is a strength. But that understanding, once again, comes from knowledge. That when you begin to learn that, okay, these people were different. I spoke about, um, um, I, spoke, I spoke about Abu Wafa ibn Aqil, a scholar. What was interesting was once, just to mention about him, is that there was, there's another legendary, an absolute Don Maliki scholar by the name of Abu Bakr ibn al-Arabi. He was from Seville in Spain, and, and he traveled in the middle. He's about in the 400, 500 Hijri, so that's about 900 years ago. Now, he has a commentary on Tarmidhi as well, known as Aradatul Ahwadi. But he, when he traveled, and he was a student of Imam Ghazali as well, he mentions how he went in Baghdad. And one thing good about him is he wrote a journal. 
wherever he went. So he wrote about his experiences. And so he, he speaks about his sitting in this gathering. And uh, there's this scholar giving some tafsir of the Quran and there's hundreds of people present. And loads of them are scholars and they've got imams on. And that's another thing, by the way, just because I'm not wearing an imam. I'll mention that some other time. That's also to do with diversity and how cultural things play a role. But um, the, th- the thing is, so he's sitting in this, he's sitting in this, in this lecture, this dars, and the Mufassir mentions the verse, um, uh, he mentions the verse, um, that their greeting on the day that they meet Allah will be peace. And he says to the person next to him, and he's writing this, and he's, he says, I said to the person next to him, see, that is evidence that on the Day of Judgment, people will see Allah. And he speaks about this point. Now, in front of him was Abu al-Wathai ibn Aqil sitting there. Well, it's amazing. I tell you, when you read these stories and these massive people, and then when they met, and you think, whoa, somebody needs to make a movie out of something like that. But, <laughs> oh, damn, I forgot. That's haram. <laughs> <laughs> right. So the thing is that if uh, so, he's sitting there and he he says, "Oh, that's evidence." So Abu Wafai ibn Aqil turns around and he said, and straight from the top of his head, he said, "If that's the case, then why does it say in the verse, 'Fa'aqabahum fi qulubihim nifaqan ila yawmiyalqona?" He says that Allah mentions for the hypocrites that He embedded the hypocrisy in their hearts till the day they meet Him. Same word being used, and you and he said, You guys say that the hypocrites won't see Allah definitely. And so he says that, and he just turns back around and carries on listening to the day. And Ibn Arabi says, I thought, Damn, <laughs> he got me. <laughs> but the thing is, he says at that point, I couldn't think of a response. But years later, he says, I wrote a response in this book. But the interesting thing is just to learn who these people were. But the point is, even they look, they had huge theological differences, but he wasn't like. Stuff like you kafir, or you, you know, don't talk to. It wasn't like that. It was because knowledge was present. So once again, I think it is very important that we all actively set about to do something, set about to learn knowledge. You take that first step, and inshallah, you will, you know, it will lead to that journey of a thousand miles. And the most important thing is that you recognize that. It will be something extremely enjoyable. And you enjoy it along the way. It's not about, oh, this is I've got to do this, I've got it's or oh, I have to do this. It's about, yes, I get an opportunity to do this. This is amazing. And you appreciate and you enjoy every moment of it. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us all the tawfiq to understand and to practice it and to learn it. And wajazakumullah khayr for your patience and your ringtones. Assalamu <laughs> alaikum. <laughs>